Hello and welcome one and all to the Football Weekly Podcast. Today we're going to talk about Paris Saint-Germain and a huge victory over Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena yesterday as they take a 3-2 advantage back to Paris. We'll talk about Manchester City and their game against Borussia Dortmund as it ended in a 2-1 victory for the hosts. But there is a huge away goal scored by Marco Royce as it is very well poised for the second leg at the Westfalen Stadion. We'll talk about Chelsea and their huge victory over Porto as it ended 2-0 in the favour of the London Giants at the Ramon sanchez Pijuan, We'll talk about some Serie A stuff as Juventus played Napoli in their suspended game, or should I say a game which was postponed way back. We'll talk about Inter and their game against Asuolo. Asuolo missing a very big bunch of key players there, but we'll start in Madrid as Real Madrid registered a 3-1 victory over Liverpool. So on the same day, it was reported that Rafael Varane has tested positive for COVID-19. So we'll miss the Classico, we'll miss the second leg at Anfield as well. But, you know, I thought that, you know, you take three out of the four starters and in the back four, that is probably the heart taken away from Real Madrid, which in some sense has been their strength last season because they hardly conceded any goals. Uh, they were com- they were very much compact at the back, and then there is only three players that you could rely on in that, and that were in the midfield. And there is Karim Benzema up top. Uh, you can actually bet your money anytime on Thibaut Courtois. But you know the way they set up, it was it was some pieces just just pu- it was a puzzle which was just being able to move around with some. Rotational pieces, Edward Militao, Nacho Fernandez, Lucas Vazquez. I mean, they don't start every single game uh, apart from Nacho. I mean, he's sort of a player who could do the job sometimes. But, you know, Lucas Vazquez, I mean, he should be starting at right back for Real Madrid, uh, to be fair, because he's not a bona fide right back. He's actually someone who who plays higher up the pitch, who plays somewhat like a right wing back or someone like a right winger and I think that is that is something which gives an idea of how bad the situation right now with injuries is with Real Madrid I mean those three in the back plus you don't have Hazard up front and you've not made any signings so you have got literally no one to play up top no one actually to trust in this big Champions League game so he plays out a back four with Mendy, Nacho, Militao and uh, Lucas Vasquez. I mean, I have, to be, I have to be very fair with Militao. I mean, he's not lived up to the hype, actually. He was signed from Porto uh, two seasons ago. Yeah, two seasons ago, yeah, rightly. And he never actually showed why he was signed. I mean, 50 million euros is a big is a big sum of money and he was not really, uh, not really just justifying the price tag. And so... I thought he might have another horrible game as he had against Eibar. I mean, yeah, Real Madrid didn't concede, but that was not because Edward Militao played well. I mean, Edward Militao was very nervy. He was hesitant on the ball. He was he was in two minds whether to kick it away, whether to actually play out from the back. I mean, it was it was horrible seeing Edward Militao at the back against Eibar. But against Liverpool, he played really well, and I and I was very much uh, hoping that Liverpool might. Uh, go all in on those back four because they were like a pack of cards with just one push and they all would scramble away that was my thinking but you know 
so is Zidane a very good manager because he really did put these pieces in their right position and it worked. It worked against a not very well organised uh, Liverpool side which had Nat Phillips and Ozan Kabak as their central defenders and Vinicius Jr. made a hell of a meal there with uh, Nat Phillips and Alexander Arnold in particular. Uh, not Nat Phillips, but Ozan Kabak. He had a he had a decent game Ozan Kabak, but you know Alexander Arnold not being good enough to defend again is something that should be concerning for for Jurgen Klopp because he cannot play in a back four when there is no Virgil Van Dijk around when there is no Henderson who could come back and defend on that right hand side so you need to actually shuffle your packs I mean who does he have got to play at Anfield there is Nico Williams but I don't think he's going to play him at right back he's a decent option but not good enough like uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is but he's a liability when defensive when he's defending and on the top of it I thought that uh, Jurgen Klopp made it a big mess by not selecting Fabinho and Thiago Alcantara in in the starting eleven because I thought if they had to get the better of this Real Madrid uh, midfield they had to put numbers in in that midfield themselves they had to play Thiago he's a bit creative you have to play Firmino because he will drop down deep and create problems or actually have uh, Casemiro uh, very much uh, involved in the game and that didn't happen I thought that Jota and Salah should be playing and that did happen I think Jota tried to make some runs in behind but there was no supply coming in neither from the right neither from the left so he was actually isolated there Salah had a he, he didn't have a good game to be fair but he did got the goal he did get the goal actually and yeah surely that's going to be something that we will have to think about going into the second leg at Anfield as uh, it gives them a chance to fight, you know, 2-0 and Liverpool go through. And I won't say that this is over. This is certainly not over. This is far from over because Real Madrid, you can't trust this team actually. But there is something about this team, time and again, when their backs are against the walls, when no one's expecting them to deliver, they deliver on the biggest stage. They're big players like Kroos and Modric or even Benzema. They, they stand up. Sergio Ramos for, um, uh, you know, they, they all stand up. They all know how important these the, these games are. And if you look at that starting eleven, apart from that, I don't think there is anyone left on the bench who could have really made an impact. I mean, there is Federico uh, Valverde and he's a very good player. Should be starting next season for me, you know, in the midfield alongside Cruz and Casemiro. Uh, there is Marcelo, who's got a hell of an experience. He's the vice captain right now for Real Madrid after Sergio Ramos, but he's in starting because he's been a liability defensively. So he's been shown the, the back door. There is Rodrigo, but are you going to trust him for such a big game? I don't think so. You go with the tried and tested combination. Isco's been out of favour, so. There's go, there goes another player, you've got, you've got Hugo Duro, you've got Arribath. I mean, they are not players that you want to have in the Champions League, uh, even even at, uh, even trying to impact the game uh, from the bench. So, you know, 
for a treat for a team actually like uh, Real Madrid. So you know that was a very treacherous case. He used two substitutes, which were Rodrigo and Valverde, and very well used. I think uh, again playing Naby Keita was a horrendous decision. He made and that was made to pay. The first goal actually came off a very, very good pass from Tony Cruz. A long ball in the path of uh, Vinicius Jr. He got the first touch. First touch was very fantastic there from uh, uh, from Vinicius, and then uh, that finish was again good. Second goal, it was a bit controversial, and I think I am against that goal because that shouldn't be happening. There was a nudge in the back of Sadio Mane by. Uh, by Lucas Vazquez and it should have been a free kick for Real Madrid should have been carded as well Lucas Vazquez but it it wasn't given a foul and then it was in that sort of play that the second goal came with a, another long ball from uh, from Toni Kroos and then uh, you know Alexander Arnold what a horrendous night that he, he had you know two years ago this guy was running the show in the Champions League final I mean that is such a contrast to now you know he's been he's been horrific this season without Virgil van Dijk guarding him he has hasn't been playing well he has been dropped out of the England squad and rightly so and for me right now clearly Kieran Trippier and Carl Walker are the two players that he should be picking ahead of Trent Alexander-Arnold surely now you know Reece James I don't know what is going to be the conversation regarding him but in a back four if you want to play John Stones, Harry Maguire, and Luke Shaw slash Ben Chilwell, you have to play Kieran Trippier. I think Kieran Trippier is the most likely option that will be playing against Croatia in the first match, or even if he plays Carl Walker, I'm very much, uh, I'm very much satisfied with it. But no, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Sorry, but he he's been dreadful this season defensively. So, you know, he he made a mistake. It fell onto the feet of. Uh, Asensio, he popped up uh, the ball uh, over the head of uh, Alisson and then uh, that fantastic goal, you know, 2-0 to Real Madrid, uh, they go into the halftime with the advantage and, you know, it was it was something that I never expected with uh, Rafael Varane out again, but in the second half, uh, the tempo went a bit high in terms of how Liverpool wanted to press. They did really well on that occasion. A brilliant run from Gini Van Alden. He ran through that midfield of uh, of Real Madrid, and that was something that I thought that uh, Liverpool might do a lot, but it didn't happen. Um, a good layoff to a Jota. He takes on two or three players. Uh, there is a block from uh, Luka Modric. The ball bundles over to the feet of Salah. He takes a shot and it's in the goal. It is 2-1 and there is the game now for Liverpool. There is some breathing space for Liverpool now and then they have the upper hand. And the third goal comes in of a throw-in towards Karim Benzema. He attracts defenders, he attracts attention towards him. He lays it off for Luka Modric. Luka Modric passes it on to Vinicius Junior and he takes a shot first time. A certain error from Alisson, surely that was an error and it went in it's 3-1 and now there is surely an upper hand for Real Madrid I think I think Liverpool might just win this game but Real Madrid go through for the second leg they have to play Aston Villa at the weekend because they need to make some ground on the Premier League table as well West Ham are currently fourth in the Premier League table so 
it is going to take a hell of a task right now from Liverpool to actually make it to the top four. Chelsea have bounced. Uh, Chelsea have moved behind after their defeat against West Bromwich Albion, so that gives them some really good time around it. Uh, and again, there is that factor of uh, Chelsea playing in the uh, Champions League against Porto, and they might just advance after that uh, two-nil victory over the Portuguese champions. So. You know that that there are some very strange permutations and combinations, but right now I think Real Madrid will go through. I predicted Liverpool to actually advance in this group, but yeah, I'm happy that I'm I'm wrong this time. Uh, Real Madrid to go through. I think 2-1 on the night. It's gonna be 4-3 on aggregate. Real Madrid go through to the semi-finals. So the second game we're gonna talk about is gonna be between Chelsea and Porto. Porto actually playing really well against Juventus. I mean, you could actually appreciate the efforts of players like Pepe and Sergio Oliveira and Otavio on that left-hand side. Uh, Mbemba being so solid. Uh, Marega trying hard till the end. Taremi's goal in the first half, and in, in the first minute of the first leg, actually. And then, you know, but everything aside, Juventus should have been beating them. And they're you have a tie between Juventus and Chelsea in the Champions League quarterfinals. That's something that would attract a lot of players around, a lot of viewers around, but that was certainly not the case this time around. You know, it, I think Porto did start really well. There were some chances around, uh, but, you know, Chelsea were very good for them. Uh, again, not 100 out of 100 for them, actually, should I say, because they there was some very careless finishing around because, yeah, Christian Pulisic hit the bar. It was a, a bit of a nervy time around with uh, Kai Havertz uh, not knowing what to do in that game. Uh, same with Timo Werner as well. But, uh, you know, yeah, Pulisic hit the bar. There was a simple chance for, uh, for Kai Havertz to tee it up for 2-0. He didn't do that. There was a chance for Timo Werner to head it in the goal. It didn't do that. A lot of things not working in their favour. So, you know, it's it's a good night actually. It is against Porto. It's against a good team after a dreadful loss against West Bromwich Albion at the Stamford Bridge. But uh, you might actually have or actually give Porto some decent chance because... We all saw what happened in the weekend against West Bromwich Albion, so there is some hope for Porto. I don't see a lot of optimism from the neutrals or even from the Porto fans right now. I mean, they might as well challenge for the title. They are eight points behind Sporting at this point in time. They played uh, the same amount of games, but they are on 57 and Sporting are on 65. It's highly unlikely that that's going to be changed. Uh, I guess they pull it out. I mean, they were missing some of the key, key players. They didn't have Sergio Oliveira. They didn't have uh, Mehdi Taremi. Uh, Mehdi had a red card in the game at Turin. Uh, Oliveira had two yellows to, uh, to to sideline him from this game against, uh, against Chelsea. But, you know, it's going to be a good game again. I think uh, they will have to open up Porto. Uh, 
uh, I think Jesus Corona had a good game on that right-hand side. Uh, Luis Diaz had a decent game. Musa Morega missed a chance for them. Uh, Luis Diaz had a shot. Uh, it was not too far away. It was a good shot from Luis Diaz, actually, from outside the box. Uh, he's a good player, the Colombian international. Uh, have to see how the transfer business goes for him. But, you know, you know it's, a, it's a decent night for, for Chelsea. They move on. They had their, have their focus now on the Premier League. They have the semi-finals of the FA Cup coming up against Manchester City as well. So, you know, it's uh, it's not a good road for them if they get through this uh, Champions League uh, quarterfinals. If they say if they go to the semi-finals, it's not going to be as easy because they're not going to be rested with the FA Cup schedule and the Premier League schedule also being very harsh on them. So... I think they they win in the second leg again. It's going to be a 3-1 victory, I guess. Yeah, 3-1. I'll go 3-1. And Porto bow out of the Champions League after a tremendous campaign, actually. Uh, Chelsea win on aggregate five goals to one. So a big game in Manchester as well, as Manchester City took on Borussia Dortmund. It ended in a 2-1 victory, but surely, boy, there was some drama in that game, you know. That, I mean, some very controversial decisions again. I think Jude Bellingham's goal should have been allowed. I think it could have been a different complexion to this game altogether. You know, there's two ways to look at it. If Jude Bellingham scores that goal, you either see a immediate reaction from Pep Guardiola because there was probably 30 to 40 minutes to go. Um, I mean, 50 minutes to go for the full-time whistle. Then you see a immediate reaction and... City might win it 4-2 or 3-2 anyways. But that doesn't go in. City try and try and create some chances. Uh, it's it's actually very noteworthy to point out how Dortmund were actually setting up for this game. They completely changed the system from that game against Eintracht Frankfurt at the Signal Iduna Park. They played with two wing-backs in Mate Moray and... Rafael Guerrero with three up front, uh, with uh, Royce and Holland being the strike points. There were three at the back with Akanji, Hummels and Emrejan playing at the right side of the three-man centre-back pairing. And for Manchester City, it was a, again, no striker kind of a thing, you know. The only guy who played in, who could have played in a front three for Manchester City was Riyad Mahrez, who started on the right hand side. Bernardo Silva playing up top in the number nine role. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne in that number ten role, and Phil Foden from the left hand side. So it was uh, a very unusual type of a lineup, but something which has worked for Pep Guardiola in the past. He tried it again and. It did work for the first half. I think they were the better side, uh, apart from that Jude Bellingham goal, which should have been allowed. Second half, it went a bit topsy-turvy. You know, they they should have been getting another goal because Ruben Diaz was floored down by uh, by Erling Haaland. He showed brute strength on that occasion. Was one on one with Edison, and then he he fluffed his line. He hit it straight towards Edison, and that was something that well, I didn't expect him to do on that sort of on that sort of moment. You know, if you wanted to actually compete at the at the highest level, you should be scoring an away goal against a better opposition. And he failed to do so again. He's, I thought he might do it in in Paris last season as well, but he failed to do that again. But he's just 20 years old, but actually to 
put so much expectations on him is going to be very, very harsh and very, 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 very unjust at this point in time. But again, he should have been putting that uh, chance to bed. <laughs> it happens. And then that brilliant movement, uh, Marco Rice, he takes it very calmly and puts it behind Edison for that goal 1-1. And I think that if this scoreline stays for the full time, it's going to be yet another upset, I guess. But it didn't. It was... I thought on that first occasion that it was offside, Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, he was offside on that occasion. He pulled it back towards uh, Phil Foden who squared it off. It was 2-1 and we have a big tie coming up at the Signal Iduna Park. I mean, 2-1, it's certainly on. I mean, how about how about there's an upset? I, I'm really rooting for an upset at the Signal Iduna Park. I really hope that Borussia Dortmund play out of their skins and win this game. Personally, if I'm a Borussia Dortmund fan, I'm hoping that they bow out of the Champions League because there's some serious business to take care of in the Bundesliga because they're seven points behind Eintracht Frankfurt uh, who are sitting fourth and they might miss out on the Champions League Champions League spot next season. So I'm thinking, how about we just bow out of the Champions League? But right now, if I'm a neutral, I'm hoping, I'm betting my money on uh, Borussia Dortmund to win this game. How about I get this again? So, at the Signal Union Park, I'm hoping for Borussia Dortmund to win it by two goals to nil. I, I'm, I'm just hoping. You know, first half, it's quiet, and then uh, Dortmund run ragged on them. They completely outplay them. The plans completely, the wheels completely come off from uh, from uh, Manchester City. I mean. They will have to rotate some of the players against Leeds United at the weekend and that's not going to be a very pretty place to start with because Leeds United and Marcelo Bielsa, they're going to give them a game, surely. Uh, they are sure, they're certainly going to uh, rest Ruben Diaz because he's played three games with Portugal over the international break and he's played again with... Uh, with Manchester City at the weekend as well as in this game against uh, against Borussia Dortmund. So he needs a rest, surely, and I think uh, Imeric Laporte could come in his place. Uh, I think they have the league wrapped up, so there's no point in actually playing Ruben Diaz so extensively. And then you've got uh, the Borussia Dortmund who have, again, a big game coming up in the Bundesliga because every game for them in the Bundesliga is a big game now. So they have to win. They don't have the luxury to rest their players. So that might be the case. I still think it's going to be 2-0. <laughs> I, I don't know. I see Manchester City not winning this game. Borussia Dortmund might just nick it off in the end. It might be 2-1-0 at the very end. And then panic starts to build up in Pep Guardiola's mind. He tries to do something fancy. Very unusual. And it bites him in it bites him in the backside and it just it comes off. I think the wheels come off in the end. Borussia Dortmund go through. It's a two-nil victory to the Germans, and that takes us to the final game of the Champions League. It was a big game. It was the repeat of last year's final between Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena. Snowy conditions. Very snowy conditions. 
very cold out there. We saw a lot of uh, a lot of the guys wearing uh, mufflers and gloves and sweaters. Uh, a big uh, a big personality in attendance at the Allianz Arena was uh, Yogi Lowe, the German coach, which is, who is under a lot of scrutiny. But I think it was an error of judgment from Hansi Flick, who's been perfect so far in his managerial career. Uh, he decides to play the same eleven which played against Leipzig at the weekend. He plays promoting Müller, Coman, Sane. Then there is Goretzka, Kimmich, and the backline is Lucas Hernandez. No power tank. It was Nicolas Sula. It was. Uh, David Alaba and Benjamin Pavard at right back and Manuel Nora in the sticks. And I thought that there is a gamble there, not with Lucas Hernandez because he's played a lot of games uh, currently with the French national team and he played at the weekend against uh, 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 against Leipzig, a very good opposition by the way, and he was a really match fit. And Alfonso Davies, he didn't play any football game after his sending off against Stuttgart. He he was banned from that game against Leipzig because of that red card, so he didn't play there. Jerome Boateng the same. He was suspended for the game against Leipzig, so he 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 played Nicolas Sula, and I thought that was not the wise move to be made, and he had to change it because Nicolas Sula was certainly facing a lot of problems there on the back line, and I and I, and I really hope that Nicolas Sula does not start for Germany. They want to uh, have a want to have some big ambitions about their about the Euro campaign this season because it's certainly not good enough surely uh, I mean Nicolas Sula how can he how can this guy start every single game for Germany and also for for Bayern Munich when there's no Jerome Boateng available because you know next season where there's no one to play Hansi Flick he has to play Nicolas Sula and Dyer Upamecano in the back line when Boateng will go away from Bayern Munich as well as David Alaba so you know it's going to be in that way and I'm very much worried for it because Nicolas Zula he's not good enough for this kind of level that Bayern Munich play he's a decent player but he's not good enough for Bayern Munich and that's a conclusion that I will get on to because you know against Leipzig he made a mistake he actually turned himself upside down and he fell down there was a chance for Danny Olmo on that occasion and he chose to hit it straight at Manuel Neuer and he didn't actually have to make a tremendous save. There I thought that what if he just cost his team there? You know, and I I thought that he's not good enough to play for Bayern Munich against Paris Saint Germain and he did play. On that first goal, he was so slow in tracking Neymar that he made a meal of it. He would try to get close to him, he Passed that ball towards Kylian Mbappe and he finished it off. By the way, that goal shouldn't have been shouldn't have been in. You know, Manuel Neuer. I mean, that was a regulation save. Surely, it was hit straight at you. You have to carry that ball and pass it away. It was. It certainly reminded me of uh, that uh, David de Gea debacle at the World Cup against Ronaldo, and you know, it was it was unusual for me to see the way it came down for for Bayern Munich in the first two minutes you know Manuel no that's that's something which have we have been very much prone to be seeing because Manuel Neuer is not the Manuel Neuer which played for Bayern Munich and Schalke in the 2010s and 
2012s and 2015s. You know, he's, you know, he's a guy who is more erratic now. He's not the same after what 2017, I guess. And yeah, I mean, he he did play well last season. He was probably one of their best players alongside Kimmich and Kimmich and Lewandowski. But you know, you have to actually be realistic about Manuel Neuer and his position with the German national team as well because you've got some very good goalkeepers coming around. I mean, Mark Andreas Stegen, I think he's he's surely better than Manuel Neuer. He is, there is Kevin Trapp as well from Eintracht Frankfurt, so he can be in the he can be in the conversation as well. But yeah, again, that that goal shouldn't have been gone in, and the, and then the second goal actually, uh, it was. Uh, it was great awareness by the referee actually, and from from the linesman actually, uh, to spot that Marquinhos was in the mix of the crowd, and then he made his run inside. He tapped it into the net past Emmanuel Neuer, and it was a very comical incident. I think none of Bayern Munich's players realised that that was going in, and that that was coming at them, and it was two nil. And I thought, you know what? There's a prediction going right, and it was something that I I actually talked about. I th- I thought that Bayern Munich are not gonna go through in this tie. I still abide by what I said that time, but uh, you know, not good enough there at Bayern Munich defensively. And then actually they pl- actually they played really well. I think they were the better team of the of the two. At halftime as well, they had some what, 15 shots to two of Paris Saint-Germain, the two shots, two goals. I think it could have been 3-0 as well on that time where Neymar just released it a fraction of a second late. By the way, Neymar again had a very fantastic game, you know. Again, he was back to his best, not the Neymar which we saw against Lille in the Liga on the weekend, but uh, a very good Neymar Jr. In, in the mood to make a difference at Bayern Munich yesterday. So a tad of second late, and that ball was uh, through for Kylian Mbappe to make that run. Good defending on that occasion, but it popped out again to Julian Draxler. It was in, but then judged offside. So no goal for Draxler on his return to Germany. Uh, again, you know, poor defending from uh, Bayern Munich, and then actually they run ragged Bayern Munich. They gave them no chance. Marquinhos had to be subbed off for Ander Herrera and then Danilo came into the centre-back position from the midfield. So it was a makeshift back four again with Dagba, Diallo and Kimpembe and Danilo with only actually Kimpembe starting in that last game in that back four against Barcelona. It was Marquinhos, Paredes, uh, Marquinhos, uh, Florenzi actually and Cruzava were all out after the 30 minutes so you know they had a lot of injuries to actually take care of themselves you know Paredes, uh, Verratti, there was no Icardi, there was no Florenzi, Cruzava, big injuries and I thought playing Dagba was a bit of a bit of a gamble there on the right hand side should have been playing Tilo Kerber who's got experience at this uh, big stage you know he's a he's German himself so he would have had some experience there but again you know you know, I thought he might have just got it wrong, but you know, on a good night for Tom, uh, for Mauricio Pochettino, it re- it did really came out well, and you know, kudos to him for that. But uh, again, you know, they they actually run ragged. They did gave they didn't gave Paris Saint Germain a place to breathe there. 
They scored two goals eventually. Thomas Muller had a tremendous game. I mean, he was brilliant last night. Uh, along, I mean, he was one of the contenders for man of the match. You know, not Mbappe, because I don't think Mbappe was the contender for the man of the match. Even in the in the back line for, for Paris Saint-Germain, I think Danilo had a very good game. It was Keylor Navas who actually kept them in the game for so long. I mean, Goretzka had a decent hit at the ball. There was Muller who came close. There was Alaba who came close to... Uh, get a goal for Bayern Munich. So many players came close to get a goal for Bayern Munich. They were still deprived of that goal because of Keylor Navas. I mean, he had a tremendous game yet again in the Champions League. I mean, that's something with the Real Madrid players. He's not Real Madrid for now, but he was certainly an ex-Real Madrid player. And he's not lost at Allianz Arena. He's came here thrice and he's won here thrice. I mean, he's won here 2-1, 2-1 and now 3-2. So that's some special record for Keylor Navas now against Bayern Munich. But... You know, it was it was something that I thought might be uh, m- might be very much worrying for Paris Saint-Germain as they didn't have a lot of players playing in their position and they were actually being put under a lot of pressure, extensive pressure. I think uh, they were very much lucky to not have Alaba scored another goal because that just hissed past the post. Uh, Chupa Moting had one or two chances, a bit wasteful, and that's very much understandable because it's not Robert Lewandowski. Uh, he himself would have got too easily in that in this game. Um, again, Thomas Muller, the best player on the pitch yesterday for Bayern Munich, alongside Benjamin Pavard and uh, Joshua Kimmich. Uh, Leroy Sané had a stinker of a game last night. He was actually trapped on that right-hand side. Uh, didn't actually have enough room to make an impact. Kingsley Coleman the same. Was trying, trying, trying. Nothing came out eventually. And again for the third goal, it was Jaron Boateng. He was left one-on-one against uh, against Kylian Mbappe. And there's just going to be one winner against Jaron Boateng at this point in time in his career. He's not fast. He's not that agile. He's not that mobile anymore. So, you know, Kylian Mbappe makes a total mess of the positioning of Jerome Boateng, takes him one-on-one, drives at him, runs two or three step-overs and then puts his puts it between his legs. Manuel Neuer doesn't even move. He was agitated in between the stakes. And it's 3-2. And we go into the a game at the Parc de Prince with a 3-2 advantage for Paris Saint-Germain. And I think it will be... And it uh, won't be the same come... Tuesday, I think it's going to be a two-all draw. Uh, well, Bayern Munich themselves have have a big schedule coming up front, as they have to play Paris Saint-Germain, then Wolfsburg, and then Bar Leverkusen. Wolfsburg being a very stubborn side, not not allowing a lot of teams to break through. They have got uh, Bar Leverkusen coming in, Peter Bosch, and everything. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain, I think the the best place right now to rest place for them is going to be this weekend against Union Berlin, where they host Union Berlin at the Allianz Arena. I think it's going to be a victory for Bayern Munich anyways. Uh, for Paris Saint-Germain, I think they have to play a full-strength squad against Strasbourg. Uh, it's going to be an easy game, Strasbourg not being in the top 10 of the Liga as well. So I think it's going to be a cheesecake to actually walk away from uh, all this uh, all this nonsense actually for Paris Saint-Germain that they're not going to win the league uh, I think it's going to be a 2-1 draw again I think they 
I mean, there is a huge cloud over the availability of Robert Lewandowski again. I think he was uh, initially sidelined for four weeks, but if you've seen his uh, injury injury history, and he's a lot of times come ahead of time, ahead of schedule, and they might be hoping for the same again at the at the, at the Parc de Prince. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain will be hoping that he does not return actually, and they'll have to play with uh, what everything that's left over of Bayern Munich. Uh, in 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 that in that game in Paris, but I think it's going to be a two-all draw. Paris Saint-Germain go through, and then we have two semi-finals for us, which are Dortmund against Paris, Chelsea against Real Madrid. We'll try and evaluate these things after the second legs are done. But there was some Serie A action as well in Italy. No Serie A team in the Champions League actually, and that's very and, and that's very saddening for all the Calcio fans. But uh, we had two games in Serie A, Juventus playing Napoli, we had Sassuolo playing uh, Inter Milan at the San Siro as well. Uh, we'll talk about Inter and Sassuolo first as it was a it was a game which was postponed two weeks ago and you know they it was postponed, uh, postponed because of COVID-19 reasons and you know it was not a particularly good game for Sassuolo. Uh, they had two of their best players, Domenico Berardi and Manuel Locatelli, suspended for this game. Uh, they lost 2-1, goals from Romelu Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez being the difference. Uh, the first goal actually was a very good worked goal, uh, with uh, Ashley Young running on that left-hand side of the attack for Inter Milan and crossing the ball. It's a glancing header, it's a good header from uh, Lukaku and it turned out to be 1-0. Uh, the second goal was a counter-attack. Uh, Lukaku had the Sassuolo defenders two on, uh, three on two, and then he pushed that ball over to Lautaro Martinez, who actually finished it up very cool and calmly. It was 2-0, but then it was a late fight back from Sassuolo with... Uh, it was uh, Hammer Junior Traore, who scored a fantastic goal past Handanovic to give them some parity. He halved the deficit, but it was not enough as Inter Milan took all the three points, and it's going to be very, very difficult now. I mean, it's, there's no question Inter Milan is going to not win this one. But is Juventus going to climb up in the top four? I mean, it was a very big game against Napoli at the Allianz Stadium uh, yesterday, and it ended in a 2-1 victory for Juventus. It should have been comfortable, actually. I thought uh, Alvaro Morata had a very good game. You know, yeah, Ronaldo got the got the goal, actually, even... Uh, to to make it 1-0 at the beginning and put some bugs into the system of uh, Napoli. But, uh, you know, I think Morata did really well. He passed the ball around really well when they tried to break. Uh, Quadrado had a decent game for the first goal, I think. Federico Chiesa did a very good job uh, on the right-hand side to break through from against Di Lorenzo, I think, and it was Di Lorenzo and Deme, I guess. Uh, he passed the ball towards the path of uh, Ronaldo, and it was a good finish. Before that incident happened, it was a there was a there was a good chance for Ronaldo to score a goal with a header. It was a good ball in again, a good play on that right hand side with Quadrado and Danilo, and then Danilo crossed it out to Ronaldo, and he missed a sitter actually. Uh, the second goal was from Paolo Dybala, and a very very important goal in the context of how he is going to be playing uh, come the business end of the season because Juventus will hope to finish in the top four uh, with 
Atalanta and Napoli not too far behind them. So, you know, it's going to be a big stretch to say that Juventus might not finish in the top four. I'm banking them, I'm backing them to actually do it. Who knows what, what could unfold in front of our eyes, but we've seen stranger things happen in this area. I'm backing them to go. And before that, you know, Lorenzo Insigne, it was a stupid foul from Chiellini. Didn't go from the ball for the ball. The ball was past him. He bumped into the... Uh, uh, play was uh, Victor Ozyman, uh, and then was a penalty for Napoli. Lorenzo Insigne again scoring the penalty. He's, he's missed four in his career and three three are against Juventus. He missed one in the Supercoppa Italia, and we all know how it turned out to be. But uh, yeah, you know, a goal for Lorenzo Insigne, and then you've got uh, a, a big chance for Victor Ozyman in the very end where. Uh, Matthias League makes a tremendous block, makes a tremendous block with his left foot and saves uh, Juventus from actually bottling out the lead, a 2-0 lead in the last four minutes. So that's all from me today. It was a great pleasure recording this pod. Uh, we'll meet again after the weekend because we've got the Classico, we've got a big game of the Premier League with Manchester United and Tottenham. Until then, take care of yourselves, stay safe. Ciao from me. This is this was your host, Mayresh Matkar. Thank you very much.